Hey friends, I, I want to take a moment to welcome you into this time of worship together. I continue to be so grateful that we can worship Jesus in a variety of ways in this season. And I'm so grateful that you are taking a moment to connect with us here virtually. Now today, we are continuing our Fit for Life journey, where we've been reflecting upon the importance of stewarding our body, our mind, our spirit, and also to pay attention to our relational investments. Now, over the course of the last three weeks, we've been taking a deep dive into how to steward the gift of our bodies. And starting today, we are beginning to reframe, to kind of turn our attention to the stewardship of our minds. Now, there is so much we don't quite understand about how our brains function and operate. There's a lot of mystery in that, but it doesn't take long for us to understand how we think about things affects every single area of our life. The health or unhealth of my thoughts has significant influence on my physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual well-being. This is also true, really, as it relates to how we choose to think about God. A.W. Tozer once wrote, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And friends, one of the things that I want you to think through and internalize about God is this. He knows everything about you. You are handcrafted. You are artisan made. David writes in Psalm 139, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You, you know when I sit down or when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. Friend, you are completely known by God. And I want you to know that even in the midst of that complete knowledge that God has of you, you are fully and completely loved. So as we enter the worship moment today, let us find great comfort in the truth that God fully knows you and loves you and allows himself to be known and loved in return. Let us bring our full selves to the worship moment today, body, mind, and spirit. Let's worship together. Oh 
name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. You seated on a throne of mercy. Can this 
shadows deepen But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through Do you wish that you could see it all made new all creation groaning is a new creation coming is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst is it good that we remind ourselves of this Yeah. 
Friends, it has been so life-giving to spend time worshiping with you today. And I want to invite us to continue to worship as we utilize the gift of prayer together. There is a statement that the Apostle Paul makes in the second letter to the Corinthians, where he encourages us to take every thought captive. I think this is incredibly helpful instruction for us. He is encouraging us to examine how we choose to think about things. And, and really the, the danger that, that it's kind of laid around all of this is that if we aren't careful with our thoughts, we can soon find ourselves spinning out because we allow our mind to keep maybe replaying a negative loop or, or maybe we fixate on a wound or we imagine what we would say in response to someone that would maximize the damage to them. There are dozens of ways that unchecked and unexamined thoughts can lead to devastation. I find personally that anxious thoughts are what often derail me. I can stay fixated on all that could go bad and my anxiety begins to crowd out my sense of hope and joy. Now, I'm not perfect at this by any means, but, but I found that when I can capture anxious thoughts and turn them over to the Lord, that I am able to stay in a healthier place mentally. So for our prayer time today, I, I wanna just encourage you to give Holy Spirit freedom to examine your life, your mind, your heart, your soul, and to give you discernment on those thoughts that are potentially doing damage to you or, or maybe even thought patterns that, that could potentially do damage to the people around us. Ask Him to reveal those negative thought patterns that you're not even aware of. So allow me to pray over us and just receive this prayer today. Lord Jesus, we confess our inability to see all the things that we need to see. And we declare our, our need for your wisdom and discernment to help raise our own self-awareness on how we think and process through the situations and relationships that we navigate every single day. Lord, help us to capture any thought that is damaging our own soul. Help us, help us to cap capture any thought that could potentially lead us to maybe wound another person in our life. We confess our need for you to help untangle anxious thoughts or unproductive thoughts. We lay ourselves open before you. We thank you, God, for knowing us fully. We thank you for helping to lead us to health and mind, body, and spirit. Thank you for your care and your love that you regularly demonstrate on our behalf. And we pray all of these things in the strong name of Jesus, amen.
Hey friends, thanks for leaning into this time together because whether you're joining us online, on television, from the comfort of your own home, or in one of our network locations, whenever we gather, we get to encounter God together in worship, in prayer, in study of His Word. And I'm glad you're here, especially as we continue a conversation we started a few weeks ago that we're calling Fit for Life. It's intended to help us live into the full life that Jesus came to give us in body, mind, and spirit. And having looked at a number of realities around our bodies over the past few weeks, we're going to move on to our mind. Because God is concerned about all of us, all of who we are, you and me, not just our spirits, but body, mind, and spirit. For we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that includes our mind, which is a pretty amazing thing. It can actually see what could be even if it's not there. Let me show you what I mean with a couple of pictures. Check this one out. You see those series of lines and squares? Those lines look canted, right? Tilted. But they're actually straight. Our mind tells us that they're tilted, even though they're not. Interesting. How about these two images side by side? One orange circle seems to be much larger than the other. But in reality, they're exactly the same size. Because our mind tells us it's the opposite based on the comparison between the things around it. Here's a third example. Our minds can even bridge between what is and what should be. Check this out. You see this picture? You see what it is? You see what's right and wrong and missing. It's, it's not normal for an elephant to have legs that look like that. And listen, our mind is a pretty amazing thing. It solves puzzles, it connects dots, it, it fills in blanks. It can see what could be there even if it's not actually there. And that's impressive, but at the same time, a little bit disconcerting. It, it can get complicated in the struggle between perception and reality, in pictures and in life. I recently stumbled into this in a text exchange with a friend of mine. I sent a text, but I didn't get an answer. And in that space, I began to wonder why I hadn't got an answer. I started to draw some conclusions. I even saw the three little dots pop up in the bubble for a moment, but then no response. I started to wonder, were they upset with me? Had I offended them? Were they avoiding me? And it started to, to shift my thinking. I started to think it wasn't fair of them to feel that way about me. I hadn't done anything wrong and my mind started connecting dots that weren't actually there and it started to change the way I viewed them and even my posture toward them. <laughs> now maybe you've experienced that before but the reality was my friend eventually responded the next day and none of what I thought was true. Everything was fine but my mind started to move and think and connect the dots and add things that weren't there. It got complicated and if we're not careful we can think things are the same size when they aren't. We can even think things are true, aren't true when they actually are. All of this gives us a glimpse into how dynamic our mind is. It is, it is beautiful, it's complicated, it's messy, which can get us into trouble if we don't know how to deal with our mind, how, how to live in the space of wholeness and fullness in our mind. Because what we do with our minds, in our minds, whether it's accurate or maybe less than accurate, matters. What we think can determine what we see and understand, which then affects 
who we are or what we do. You know, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Be careful what you think, because your thoughts run your life. That's fascinating. Another translation says, So above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your inmost being. That proverb is reminding us that our mind matters. Later on in the book of Proverbs, uh, when talking about a selfish person, Solomon says this in chapter 23, uh, verse 7, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. He's saying, he's saying that as a person thinks within themselves, literally reckons in their soul, so they are. Again, highlighting that what we think matters. What, what we do in our minds is important. It can shape more than we realize. And in fact, a number of philosophers and leaders and thinkers have said that there is a connection between our thoughts, our words, and our actions. That, that our thoughts lead to our words, our words lead to our actions, and then that then shapes our habits and our character and our destiny. Now, although it's, although it's been said in different ways, every variation expands on the biblical reality that as we think within, as we reckon in our soul, so we are. The reality is what we think informs who we are and can determine who we become. What we think determines who we are and who we become. Now, what, what we entertain in our mind, what we think, it does matter, which is why Paul says what he does in Romans 12. In fact, why don't you turn with me, if you have a Bible, to Romans chapter 12. And just starting at verse 1 and into verse 2. And I just want you to listen to what he says as it relates to the mind and even the greater fit for life conversation. Check this out. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, that's, that's good, and we spent three weeks looking at how we honor God with our bodies, and, and so this makes sense. But then, here's second. So that's first. Second, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Okay, we're tracking with that. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's, it's in our minds. And then he says, then, third, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Essentially, we can be in step with the Spirit. Now, what Paul says here is fantastic. It's really good because it tells us that there is a way that we don't have to get stuck or be subject to our mind, uh, to get caught up in our thinking and headspace, that it no longer has to be chewed up by unhealthy or, or even unholy things, or even things like fear or worry or shame or critique. We actually can be changed. The word that, that Paul uses here is metamorphal. And, and the word meta is it, just speaking about being like with or after or behind. But the word morphal is form. So literally, it's form afterward. It means to be transfigured, transformed, to be changed, to change into another form, to, to be transformed. It's, it's not an invitation to cover. It's not an invitation to control. It's not even to try to contain our mind or to pretend to see something else in our mind. It's an invitation to be changed, transformed, no longer the same, no longer what was or has been. 
Paul's describing metamorphosis. It's the same word used to describe Jesus when he was transfigured after his encounter with Moses and Elijah on the mountain in Mark 9. And for us, it's the word that means that when we encounter Jesus, we can have a new form after. And we may know we need that for our minds. We may even want that. But I think often we may think it's not possible. We think we can't. But I want to tell you, we can. In fact, the past few weeks, we've been pulling back the layers of of what it looks like to honor God with our bodies, uh, to not keep doing what we don't want to do in our habits and patterns and addictions. And we saw that because of Jesus, we actually can live into the fullness of life in our bodies. But that's not just about self-discipline or determination, even just daily practices. When it comes to the mind, it means an internal rewiring, a transforming, a rebooting, if you would, of the mind like Paul describes in Romans 12. But he also talks about it elsewhere. We looked earlier in the series at Ephesians 4 where, where Paul says in verse 23 that we are to be made new in the attitude of our minds and to put on the new self. Look, if you've ever struggled to remain faithful and focused in your thoughts, in your mind, in your heart, you know the battle's real. And this conversation is essential. Even Paul struggled in doing what he didn't want to do. And although that struggle is often expressed in the body or through the body, it's connected to our mind. So it's pretty important to find out why that is and how it can be changed, how we can be transformed. So I want to invite you to turn back in your Bibles just a couple of chapters to Romans chapter 8, where we get to understand how this all works out and how we can live into really seeing our minds transformed and living fully in relation to Jesus. So this is Romans 8. I'm going to start with verse 5. And I'm reading out of the Amplified Version for emphasis. It just gives a little more detail around the information. Here's what it says. For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, which gratify the body. Now, I'll tell you, sometimes I think we do that because we think we're entitled to it or that we're owed it, and, and we end up doing that in the flesh. But Paul goes on to say, but those who are living according to the Spirit, who set their minds on the things of the Spirit, and his will and purpose. We, we may not be able to rewire our mind, but we can set it where it can be so that it can be changed. Verse six, Paul says, now the mind of the flesh is death, both now and forever, because it pursues sin. But the mind of the spirit is life and peace. The spiritual well-being that comes from walking with God, both now and forever. The mind of the flesh with its sinful pursuits is actively hostile towards God. It does not submit itself to God's law since it cannot. It's that space of doing what we don't want to do. But in verse 8 he says, And those who are in the flesh, living a life that caters to sinful appetites and impulses, cannot please God. Whew, man, that, that's a big fat bummer. That, that We cannot please God on our own. It's, a, it's especially... True, if our ability was the ultimate key to being able to please God, but thankfully it's not. Our inability, our inability to stop doing what we don't want to do is not the answer. Take a look at this, rolling into verse 9. However, you are not living in the flesh, controlled by the sinful nature, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God lives in you, directing and guiding you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him and is not a child of God. But if Christ lives in you, though your natural body is dead because of sin, 
Your spirit is alive because of righteousness, which he provides. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. My friends, listen. The reality is that what we love determines what we seek. And what we seek determines what we think, what we do. And what we think ultimately determines who we become. Listen, our thoughts are not harmless. They are foundational. They're never neutral. Either they lead us toward God or away from Him. And it's tempting to overlook and downplay the connection between our thoughts and our spiritual transformation, but it's very real. And the Bible says a lot about the power of our mind and thoughts because what we think informs who we are and determines who we can become. So as a result, we like Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, need to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Listen, we want that, but we can struggle to find it because it's not based in our power, but the power of God, the power of a resurrected Jesus. And if Jesus is your Savior and Lord, you have been given His Spirit and now have access to His power. If you're willing to be subject to Jesus and not just yourself, not just subject to ourselves, His invitation, Jesus' invitation is to be transformed, not to transform ourselves, to let Him transform us, to let Him transform you. And we can be changed. We can have a form afterward. So be subject to truth, not thoughts. Choose to be subject to Jesus and not yourself. Let, let truth reign in your headspace and not just random things and thoughts. After we offer a living sacrifice in worship, we can encounter Jesus. We can know him more fully. Then we can experience the renewing of our mind Victory in the mental battle, that inner dialogue around self-talk that just keeps us living lesser lives, that power to overcome all that is all, all that's available. And that's great, but I think we need to ask the question, what does it look like practically? And I want to tell you, I have no interest in offering self-help advice or some simplistic formula that temporarily fixes the, the struggle in our minds. See, our willpower and self-discipline and determination, they only take us so far. And then they will fail. We have human weakness and we have an enemy that seeks to disrupt our righteousness and relationship with God. And we all have brokenness, relationally and emotionally, physically. We have things in our journey that have created fractures in, in our lives. But Jesus wants to fix that. He can and he does, but it's him, not us. He invites us to obedience. And his power enables us to live into that obedience. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's his power. And we need his spirit at work in us to, to truly live in freedom and health and holiness. He does it, but we play a part. And I want to get really practical in the last bit of our conversation and give you three things that we can do to facilitate his power at work within us, where he can work in us and never have to work in spite of us. Those three things are set, study, and seek. I encourage you to engage all three of these to a next level in your world, or at least engage one. The first is to set. 
Being transformed happens when we do what Paul says in Romans 12. In an act of worship, we yield our entire selves to him. We present our bodies as living sacrifices. Then as we resist conformity to the thoughts and actions of the world, we can pursue him along the way and that's when we're transformed. But we have to play a part. Resisting conformity to the world and embracing the transformation that comes in Jesus Christ starts when we set our minds on him. We invite his presence and his authority in our lives. Paul describes it this way in Colossians 3. He says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. This is the way we end the struggle and stand in the fight. Focusing on what is true and noble and right and pure, transformation comes and we submit to the authority of Jesus as Savior and Lord. We set our hearts, we set our minds, we, we set our attention and focus on Him. That's first. Second is study. Listen, we don't win the battles in our mind by fighting back. We win them by filling our minds with His Word. So, the first question in any circumstance is really never, how do I feel about it? But what does God's word say about it? What is, what is true in this dynamic? Not, what do I think? I, I once heard someone say many years ago that a Bible that is tattered and falling apart is often the sign of a life that isn't. And I think there's deep truth in that, which holds an invitation to memorize scripture, to write it to think it, to proclaim it, and confess it until you live it. Hide his word in your heart. To be like the psalmist in Psalm 119 who says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's pretty clear. And it also connects beyond study to seeking. Listen, setting our minds on him, studying his word, but then seeking after him. If you love him more than the, the thing that you struggle with, the habit, the issue, the thought pattern, if you love him more than that, then choose him. Pursue him. Turn to him first. He does the rest in renewing and transforming and changing and even empowering us to live in obedience. We can think differently, but it's less about what we do and more about what He does in us when we let Him. He changes us. Because changing the way we think changes what we see, which changes what we choose. So our focus and our perspective actually inform how we act in the world. And we can be changed. As we set our minds and hearts on Him, as we study His Word and hide it in our heart, as we seek him and pursue him first. I want to encourage you to go further in all three of those arenas, but again, just pick one if that's the only thing you can do. At least lean into one of those arenas. If you truly want God, though, to do a new thing in your mind, to change your behavior, to help you stand fast in him, ask him to help you. Ask Jesus to renew your mind. Then ask him to renew your self-control. The, the battleground between conforming to the world and, and being transformed is in here. It, it's between our ears. And, and when we set our minds on Jesus and we study his word, hiding it in our heart, knowing what it says and clinging to it and seeking him first in every dynamic, we live differently. 
So today I want to invite you to set your mind on him. You can't transform it, but you can direct it. You can orient it and focus it on what is true, what is noble, and what is right. Again, it's less about what we do and more about what he does. It's what he changes in us. And no matter how mixed up life gets, no matter how far your mind has wandered, Jesus is the answer. It's not Jesus and something else. It's just Jesus. And so I want to invite you to receive the love that he offers, the power that he offers. Because what we ultimately love determines what we seek. And what we seek determines what we think. And what we think determines who we become. So let me leave you with this. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Set your minds on things above. Ask Jesus to transform you. Be changed in him today. I want to invite you to join me in a moment of prayer. And perhaps in that space, you can invite him to do those things in you today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that through Jesus, there is a way that we can be made right in relationship with you. And we no longer have to live by the flesh, but we can live by the Spirit. And the Spirit that you impart to us and the power that is available through Jesus allows us to live in obedience, allows us to live in fullness, allows our minds to be transformed so that we can honor you with our bodies. We can navigate the things of this world in a way that please you both in thought and word and deed and action. And we can know and do your good and perfect will. So in these next few moments, as we continue together in worship, may you continue to speak and lead each of us. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more. We're hanging on every
let go of those chains, let go of those chains when we praise. Dead man, come out of that grave, come out of that grave when we sing. Captives, let go, yeah, let go of those chains when we praise. Dead man, come out of that grave, come out of that grave when we sing. Captives, let go of those chains. grateful that we've been able to connect with you as we've worshiped together, as we've unpacked scripture, as we've as we've really considered what does it look like to us for us to live fit for life in our bodies and in our minds. You know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month and we as a church want to continue to normalize conversations around what does it look like for us to tend to our mental health journey. And so if you've been listening to this and you would like to connect with us, we would love to connect with you and help you get great resources for your healing journey. You can call our Pray With a Pastor line and we would love to respond to you and just again, connect you to great resources that are out there. One resource that's available is NAMI. NAMI.org is their website. You can connect with them and their helpful resources for community, uh, for support groups, and also for further counseling. If you feel like you're in more urgent need of, of a conversation, maybe you feel like you might want to harm yourself, or you're a veteran suffering from PTSD, and this conversation, man, it's stirred up in you some things, you can call the suicide hotline, and we're going to put that number on the screen, and they'll connect you immediately with resources that will help you in, in whatever crisis that you're facing. One of the rhythms that we engage in as a church, and it's a communal rhythm, 
is celebrating the sacrament of baptism where people are invited to take their physical bodies and, and really step into the waters of baptism and point to the internal work that God has done in their spirit and He's united them in relationship with His heart. Recently, we had the opportunity to celebrate in our in-person gatherings. And so in just a minute, don't tune out yet because in just a minute, we're gonna show you a recap video of that because we want you to feel a part of that celebration. But we also wanna remind you that in August, we're gonna be having our river baptism celebration in the Rock River. So if you have not yet taken that step of obedience with your body to step into the waters of baptism, we wanna encourage you to do that. You can connect with us by going to heritageqc.com and get more information about what it would look like for you to step into baptism. We would love to take that journey with you. But now let's tune in together and celebrate our brothers and sisters who stepped into the waters of baptism.